Welcome to Terrible, the podcast where two friends discuss true crime stories in hopes to prepare themselves for life's most terrible things. Quick disclaimer, the following podcast will include graphic and explicit content. Our goal is to respect victims and their families. We do not want to sensationalize crimes or glorify criminals. We are not experts. We want to tell these stories in order to learn from them and make sure victims and their families are not forgotten. I'm Renee, a longtime true crime enthusiast. Marie, on the other hand, has recently delved into all that is true crime. We both believe that once you watch or listen to your first true crime case, there's no going back. So let's do this. Just before we get started, we want to mention that we do have a merch store. There's a lot of great stuff, so if you guys want to check it out and support the show, you can go on Etsy and look us up at Terrible True Crime. Last thing is it really helps when you rate and review the show or leave a comment wherever you listen. Let's get into some updates. So last week we took a break from the podcast, but you guys don't know that because we still release an episode because we're such amazing podcasters. (laughs) But my mom came to visit, so that is why we took a break and it was a great visit. Lots of fun just to spend some quality time with her. When I'm with her is basically the only time that I watch true crime documentaries on TV. It's something we always do together. So we watched- I love that. It was so good. We watched like, two seasons of catching a killer on netflix have you seen okay it? no i haven't but i've seen it like browsing yeah really good it's there good. are some like super not cheesy but like not as well made ones where like detectives are interviewed and stuff this one is just really well made and i posted on our instagram story but they cover the case of bruce MacArthur, which was a serial killer in toronto uh so that was super interesting to watch they did a really good job and we got to kind of see all the investigators that were involved in the case and like we both know toronto very well so it was just, it was just was cool to recognize things and places and yeah. it's just very well done and i also watched the tinder swindler have you watched it yeah i have yeah and that story was so crazy we watched that this weekend that just passed I've seen so many (laughs) clips of him on TikTok too where he's pretty much saying that like he never did that he's not a tinder swindler like trying yeah so I don't really know what his deal is but actually apparently he's moving to Toronto no yeah seriously yeah yeah yeah. I saw it on TikTok I'm like okay is this really believable and then I googled it and I think he actually is the imagination and like just like the pure crappy courage you have to have to like do stuff like this like yeah I was amazed I almost thought like the documentary almost didn't do justice to like all the wreckage he left like I feel like they could have made like a Mm -hmm. 10 episode series yeah like I was like there's more to this story and like I with the amount of girls that he did this to with the amount of money he stole from them like they're still paying off their their loans and all this money that they gave yeah that kind of surprised me too not that I know what owing that much money is like and like fraud I don't know that much about that but I figured it's hard because it's like so obviously fraud but then they also gave him all their information so it's like really hard this world is a scary place it is (laughs) be careful we I feel like we always say we always say you don't trust don't trust no one oh my god but it's true not that I want this guy to get like more Netflix airtime but I just I feel like I could watch a 10 episode series on this that would be like way more yeah I think he's mad about it though so I don't think it's like I don't think it gives him any he's mad about it yeah (laughs) deserves at least that he barely got any it's like the only justice yeah that he's getting which sucks but uh, I'm just glad these like ladies just feel like really empowered to be there doing this and i hope that they're getting a lot of positive feedback mm-hmm. uh because i just feel like you never know how it's going to be until you're in a, the position like that because yeah he obviously did a very good job at fooling mm-hmm. a lot of people other than that it's march now which means 
spring is coming hopefully which means <laughs> puddles and a dirty backyard so dogs just oh. get disgusting yeah and today we had um like our house almost flooded like not really but we had so many puddles of water around our foundation outside you're worried well we had to like shop back it and like try mm. to yeah no it was bad our neighbor our neighbor called me and she was like hey is your foundation okay i'm like i don't know we've just been inside doing renovations She's like, you need to come out here. Like, it's really bad. She was out there, like, trying to, like, shovel all the water out. The best neighbor. (laughs) Literally. Thank God. So then she brought out her shop back, vacuumed all the water, and then we, like, got an extra spout to, like, redirect the water. But, like, our, our whole side front and back was puddled with water i'm happy she told you guys imagine oh my god yeah that would have been <laughs> yeah. but it was so warm outside so it was nice to yeah be just the anyways. sunshine feels so mm-hmm. good it's such like a change of energy yeah and the covid restrictions are lifting and i heard that you had a bit of a, a night out on friday yeah <laughs> and it was so weird because it felt so normal they took away the plexiglass around like each table so you actually felt like you were in a restaurant not in your own little cubicle dining so it was really nice yeah like that here too yeah starting to lift things a lot Mm -hmm. there's a lot of restaurants and bars we've been meaning to try that just like don't feel the same so Mm -hmm. it's just i think it's gonna be really good spring i'm just putting that out there and hopefully a really nice summer yeah hopefully this is actually the end and not like the end we thought we were getting last summer um i also wanted to talk about what's happening in ukraine uh it's all over my tiktok and i follow one like a girl who lives there and she goes live all the time she like posts update Mm. every day it's really interesting to see someone living that but then there's also tiktoks of like the military tiktoking or like the military going live how are you getting this on tiktok so i have to say I feel like so overwhelmed by it that I'm kind of Mm -hmm. doing the opposite. Like, usually I'll like dive more into it, but this feels like so much for me that I'm just like trying to block it all out, which I don't know if it's right either. It's hard to feel like powerless. I know for a lot of people out there because we're just Mm -hmm. sitting here and kind of watching. So if we can do anything that would help, I know a lot of people are are donating and do really want to help. So ideally we can do that too and contribute. The sources for this week's case is an episode from the podcast The First Degree, number 148, entitled The Foremans, several CBC articles, one by Brady Streichen, one by Jamie Keller, a global article by Beatrice Britneff. There's also an article from the Penticton Western News by Warren Henderson. Um, There's a page from Law and Justice from the Ottawa government, and there's also a Wikipedia page. Our case this week takes place in December of 2017 in Kelowna, BC, Canada. Clara Foreman is a 33-year-old woman who works as a fitness instructor at the gym Good Life Fitness. She taught many classes, including Zumba and weightlifting. It's reported that Clara was passionate about teaching gym classes. She had been through her own weight loss journey, and that's why she was so helpful and supportive to her clients. Clara was married to Jacob Foreman, who was 34 at the time. Jacob worked in plumbing and air conditioning as a residential HVAC supervisor. The couple had two little girls, Karina, who was eight, and Yesenia, who is seven. They're so cute. Yeah, they are. He's looking at a picture, which we'll obviously put on our social media, but they're two very sweet looking girls. 
Um, Marie, I know you go to Good Life Fitness. Have mm-hmm. you ever taken any of those classes? Uh, my mom has done the Zumba one, but I've tried mm-hmm. a couple of their weightlifting ones. All the instructors I've seen there are always the most positive, like uplifting people. They're very, very nice. Yeah, I feel like you have to be like super like extroverted and like yeah. a ton of energy to be mm-hmm. an inst- like any kind of fitness instructor. So And they're really good just... at like remembering if you come more often and, you know, they kind of build relationships. So yeah, they're definitely very nice. So I feel like just from this, I'm already getting like a whole picture. Yeah, yeah exactly. Was. Clara was originally from Mexico and that is where she met Jacob. Jacob was born and raised in Canada. He had been a pastor and went to Mexico on a mission trip. In 2005, they met at a Christian retreat. At this time, Jacob was wanting to become a preacher. The couple had known each other for about six months before they started dating, and a few months after making their relationship official, they were engaged. I hate to say it, but these quick engagements and marriages are becoming a a huge red flag for me through doing this podcast. Yeah, I agree. Clara made the no doubt very difficult decision to follow her heart all the way back to Canada. Three months after the engagement, the couple got married. Now that you know more about the Foremans, we're going to discuss the morning of December 17th. The following is Jacob's version of events. So I'm just going to give just a blanket trigger warning. This, This story is really awful. So, but this is what we do here at Terrible. So let's get into it. Jacob returns from the gym. He says he could feel the tension between him and his wife. It's not really clear at this point what the tension is about, but relationships are not always easy. I feel like tension is not an abnormal thing. Like, ideally, it's not an everyday thing, but, you know, couples fight. That is normal, and there is tension that goes along with that. He says that at this point, they're attempting to avoid each other, but eventually, you know, they begin to argue. The argument is apparently about Jacob's alcohol use. He was an excessive drinker, and this was something that wasn't really public knowledge, as far as I could tell. I couldn't find any reports about, you know, his coworkers, friends, or family commenting on his drinking or saying that they noticed that he was, you know, showing up at work drunk, driving drunk, etc. Kind of nothing like that. He says that Clara was not happy about his drinking, which again, you know, we previously discussed this in other episodes. Addiction is a very devastating Mm -hmm. thing to families, and this doesn't really surprise me. Like, if, you know, you or I had partners that were had any type of addiction to anything, it would really affect us. And especially to the point where, you know, if their behavior changes when they are drinking, that also really affects a relationship. So yeah, exactly. It's maybe not the same person that you Mm -hmm. met when you first started dating or made the commitment of marriage, and then you're having to completely readjust to these new behaviors. And you know, there's no guidebook to helping or being with someone who's an addict. During the argument, the couple exchanged words. Jacob then gets very upset. He will later say that he sees a sledgehammer in the corner of their bedroom. He grabs it. He then approaches his wife and strikes her in the head three times. According to Jacob, Clara's last words were, What are you doing? Yeah, this is a rough start to the case, but this case is rough like through and through. We're starting here because I felt like it made more sense. So we'll obviously get more into kind of the background of all of this. But right off the bat, from what I described, you know, like they met at a Christian retreat. They're this nice couple with two daughters. And this is just something that I don't think people around them expected to ever happen. Yeah, like what led to this? Something that's so horrific. Both daughters are home at this point. Jacob will later say that his girls ask him what had happened. They must have heard some kind of commotion coming from their parents' bedroom. He tells them that their mom wasn't feeling well. 
and then he takes the girls out to shovel some snow which is just like impossible to imagine like you've just done this horrible awful thing and then you just leave what you did walk out and then yeah to interact with your daughters like because one side of it it's like in the moment you were very heated you made a bad decision Okay, a very, very bad decision, let's be clear. But then you continue and you like don't even act like anything's wrong instead of being like, shit, what did I just do? Let me call 911. It takes a very specific kind of person, I think, to do something like this, especially since he then makes a decision to take his girls to church. So he puts the family in the car and drives them to church. I think this is a family who, you know, went to church pretty often. I'm guessing probably once a week. I think Jacob himself was very involved in the church. Obviously, we said that he wanted to become a preacher. I think he had kind of let go of that, but very godly man, I guess you could say. While at church, a few people ask him where his wife is. Jacob tells them that she wasn't feeling well. After church, the girls get into their PJs and snuggle up to watch some Netflix. At this point, I'm sure he is trying to come up with some kind of plan. What is he supposed to do next? Like, what what are you thinking, Jacob? Like, what's your next? Really doesn't seem like he even is thinking about it. This is strange. And the poor girls, too. Like, oblivious to all of what's actually just happened to their mom. Obviously, your parents are, like, the people you... I would like to think you trust the most. Yeah. So, next, this garbage monster of a human being decides he needs to kill his girls. Stop. Yeah. Recovering a family annihilator. These cases are always so interesting to me and obviously the worst way this is something that no i'm not going to say commonly happens but like family annihilators is a word that they use to describe men like this which means there have been several cases mostly american i have to say um less in canada but it happens are you okay i hate oh my god Oh my god those poor girls i know i just i think like i've had conversations with my dad about like what it was like for him to have kids and he describes it as like so life-changing and like never imagining being like loving some something or someone so much as you do like your baby mm-hmm. like when they're your baby and how it like changes your entire life and like the meaning of love and all of this stuff and i just how there's no good answer obviously He lures each of his daughters into their separate bedrooms by telling them he wants to show slash play a game with them. So like show them a new game or play a game with them. He tells his girls to stand on their heads. So I'm picturing kind of a handstand, but I'm not sure. And then to get up quick and raise their arms. I guess this is some kind of technique that makes people pass out. Have you ever heard of this? For me, it's like if I'm laying down and I get up too quick, I'm like, whoo. Okay, I need to take a second because then it just becomes blurry. You can't see well, like out of balance. So maybe it was something like that where it actually, I don't know, made them feel like a way they can't really see what's going on. I thought this might have been like common knowledge, but not something that I knew about. While his daughters were passed out, so he did this separately to both of them in their rooms, he proceeded to choke them to death. It's reported that he did this with a toy. I'm going to describe it. I think everyone's going to get it. But you know those like sticks with the horse heads on them and you can like ride them like when you're a kid they're like Mm -hmm. that kind of toy i'm literally speechless this is so gross he then hides his daughter's bodies in plastic containers he moves all three of the bodies to the garage he would later say that he then loaded a gun and thought about killing himself but eventually decided against it I'm not going to say you should have done it because that's not, we're not going to say that, but for you to kill your whole family and then to not have the guts to kill yourself, it's all just wrong. Like there's no right way to go about this. It's all just like, 
I just need to know the motive. Are we going to get to that? I mean, kind of, but not really. Anyway, so yeah, so he's sitting there debating, I'm assuming. I'm just going to assume because I think he sucks that it was for like five minutes and then he's like, nah. Instead of killing himself, he decides to go to sleep. Goes to bed. Yep. Sleeps in his bed with his deceased family under the same roof. Like, I don't know how you compartmentalize like that. Like, I... How can you sleep after doing that? Literally. I have these dreams sometimes, but do you ever have dreams where, like, you you accidentally kill someone? And then you're, like, having to... Like, this this is me falling asleep to true crime podcasts. I sometimes have (laughs) dreams where I accidentally kill someone, or maybe it's on purpose in my dream. I don't know. Not that I have those tendencies in real life. (laughs) But then I instantly panic about how I'm going to cover it up, and I'm under so much stress and anxiety that it just like wakes me up and i wake up like i woke up from a nightmare like you probably shouldn't be falling asleep to true crime podcasts like i don't dream of that often but the every once in a while that i do i like relate that feeling which is like Mm -hmm. a feeling of in a dream of like the like basically panic attacks that i'm having in my sleep yeah to like someone who actually does this and it's just like i'm just gonna go just take a nap yeah no something's wrong with him that's for sure he gets up in the morning and just heads to work. I'm going to talk a bit about family annihilators a bit later. Like, I give a definition, but have you seen the Chris Watts documentary? I was literally just about to mention that. It reminds me just of that, but I know his motive, even though it's not obviously not a good one. Yeah. But, like... Like, the men that do this, like, they're all very similar in the way that they do it. So, like, to me, that's the most interesting part, and that's why I yeah. wanted to cover, like, a Canadian family annihilator, because they are all the same type of person it feels like and they all have this like greater reason than themselves for doing what they Mm -hmm. did and they justify it in their heads yeah there's like no second guessing just casual you know go ahead and go back to work yeah and it's like they're all like this like chris watts is just one example out of many yeah it just it's so interesting to me like i just basically because it's so hard to believe. Mm-hmm. He works a full day to which those coworkers who then find out that he had come Ooh. to work and worked a full day Ooh. with them. That's something you talk about in therapy. On his way home, he stops at Canadian Tire to pick up some cleaning products. He's just like running errands. Like I know that he's like getting like a murder cleanup kit, but just picture like him driving next to people, like listening to music. I or just like can't or, really function like that. Like the cashier, yeah. you know, like that. Like bleach, duct tape, shovel. Like I don't know what he bought, but you know, like the classic. Like, oh. The morning of December 19th, this is two days after the day of the murders. One of Clara's colleagues from Good Life calls the foreman house to find out why Clara is late. She hadn't called in sick, and this was very abnormal for her. She was usually, you know, on time, showed up when she, you know, was scheduled to work. And uh, if she needed to be sick, I'm assuming she called in like most people. Jacob answers the phone and tells the coworkers that she's not feeling well. Everyone at work seems to accept this. It might be normal if one spouse is sick and pretty out of it, like they have, I don't know, mm-hmm. a severe case of strep throat or something that they might have forgotten to call in sick. And, yeah. you know, the other one just, like, this is not that weird, right? No, I agree. One of Clara's colleagues decides to swing by and offer Jacob help with the two girls since Clara was feeling sick. This is like an all-star coworker. Like your coworker doesn't come in because they're sick and you're just like, I'm just going to swing by the house to like see if the husband needs help since Clara's so sick. Yeah. And that just shows you what kind of woman Clara was. Like if you're building that great relationships with your 
colleagues. It just shows that she was a great person. Yeah, definitely. And like that everyone was kind of worried about her and mm-hmm. that she wasn't coming in. And yeah, it just, I feel like even though I don't have all the details about Clara's life, we just get like such a nice picture of her, like you're saying, from, from mm-hmm. the story, even though it's not the way we wish we were learning about Clara. No. So this all-star coworker knocks at the door, but no one answers. She like keeps going. Like I just call her the all-star because she just keeps going. She calls good for her. And she doesn't know like, really right now like what's no. happening, but she keeps going and thank God. Yes, seriously. I would be like, knock, knock, knock. No one's there. Did my yeah. job. I'm leaving. Yeah. Like I, I would not have been this woman. So yeah, like I said, she calls the house and Jacob answers. He then changes his story a little bit and he tells the coworker that Clara had left him and taken the girls. So to me, it's just like not a good idea to change your story like that because it just seems no. suspicious. Like just say she's really contagious and like, or yeah. I, I don't know, not that I'm trying to give this guy advice, but like the second you change your story, the second it seems sketchy to me. Mm-hmm. The coworker immediately thinks this is strange because the and she's like standing in front of their driveway and Clara's car and Jacob's work truck are in the driveway. So she's thinking like both cars are there. So how would Clara have taken the girls without a car? Specifically her car because it's not like she would have taken Jacob's work truck but like both of them are there, right? So it's yeah. like, what did you do, hop on a greyhound? Like no, with two little girls. Oh like, God, no. She decides to call the police. Love her. Love <laughs> her. again, I would not have done. I would have been like, this is a family thing. It's weird, whatever. Do we have her name? No, we don't have oh, her name. I love her. I know. That's why I called her All-Star Coworker. All-Star Coworker. I feel like she deserved it. 100%. World star. We'll get more into it later, but I couldn't find, like, if any information on if, like, there were people that knew about any kind of abuse or anything. So I don't know if, like, they were really close and she might have had yeah. a talk with Clara at some point where Clara might have said something that, like, tipped her off to maybe thinking that the marriage wasn't so great or that mm-hmm. there was some violence. I couldn't find anything. It's not reported anywhere that there were, like, there were no past, like, police calls to the home or anything like that. So we don't know if there was any type of domestic abuse, but we can we can speculate that there was some kind of domestic abuse going on because usually... These situations don't just come out of nowhere. Nowhere, yeah. After her call, the RCMP make their way to the foreman house to do a wellness check. So I just wanted to give a bit of background information on what a wellness check is. So this is from an article by Beatrice Britneff, which I mentioned earlier. The term wellness check is associated generally with situations when police officers check in on someone whose mental health or well-being are of concern. Jacob greets the police officers at the door when they arrive. I don't know if All-Star Coworker is still here at this point or if she's decided to go since the Mm -hmm. police can handle things. But officers ask to see the girls. Jacob is being all wishy-washy and he's refusing to let the officers in the house. Another gold star for these officers because they think it's weird AF and they call for backup. Once more officers arrive, Jacob caves and lets them in. Once the police officers enter the home, they kind of split up. So half of them start to search the place and then the other half question Jacob. He was asked about the location of the girls and about his marriage. He tells the officers that the couple were having issues and Clara had threatened to leave him in the past. So he's trying to like, you know, set set it all up here so that it seems like she just up and left him and they all disappeared. He says that that morning he got a call from Clara's colleague to tell him that she had not come in to work. He then tells officers that he swung by the house around 2 o'clock and he noticed that some of the girls' things were gone and the girls weren't home either. So at this point in his imaginary head he's basically setting up like i came home he, she didn't go mm-hmm. to work so the things were gone so they must have left me as i mentioned while the questioning was happening 
Other officers are searching the house. The officers searching notice a piece of carpet that is missing from the master bedroom. They must have obviously thought this was weird. You know, people don't usually have cut out pieces of carpet just yeah. or like a missing hole in their carpet. Like that just that Strange. just screams foul play. Like yeah. it's just that's a very obvious sign that something is wrong. They make their way to the garage and this is where they find a sleeping bag soaked in blood. And inside was Clara's body. I just can't imagine these officers like they're going in for a wellness check. They just think they're checking on this family. Like, maybe they're thinking it might be a domestic thing. No big deal. Whatever. Like, a routine thing. And this is what they stumble upon. Like... That's next level. Talk about PTSD and all that 100%. Stuff yeah. This must have been the most just, like, undescribable messed up Especially experience. knowing that, like, he's right there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and he's probably acting so chill. Yeah. Like, he's just like, well... Like, I don't Scary. know where they are. They must have left me. Jacob is obviously instantly arrested for Clara's murder. The officers ask him where the girls are. And this is what he says. I don't know. Did you find Clara? What did you find? Please tell me. Not long after, an officer tells Jacob that he's arrested for not one, but three murders. The officers had found Karina and Yasinia. After the news of the murders spread, friends and family get together to hold vigils and build memorials. This is from the Penticton Western News. More than 100 people gathered in Kelowna Sunday morning to pay their respects to Clara Foreman and her two daughters. See, like, I kind of find that disrespectful that, like, they didn't just use her maiden name. Yeah, and I actually couldn't find it. So I hate I don't know that. if I'm not good at, like, figuring it out, but I, I found her obituary and there was, like, a, well, there wasn't much there, but there was, like, a name, I don't know if it's a middle name, there's a name in the middle, which I couldn't, like, just guess if that yeah. was her. But here, let me just do a quick Google. We'll just do, like, okay. Soul Dad. So S-O-L-E-D-A-D, Soul Dead. Because her obituary is here, but there's there's nothing, like the family hasn't written anything. So mm-hmm. I, I was really hoping to find something that had like a little blurb about her. Yeah. But it's Clara Soul Dad Foreman is what, I mean, that's what the family, I guess, used. Or yeah. friends, I don't know exactly who she had around her. That's what they had put on. So, I, but I'm, if I had to guess, I'd say Soul Dad might have been her maiden name. I don't know. I just hate. Yeah, because it's like like that. Yeah, it's like no. It's like get him away from her. Like that shouldn't be associated anymore. Like it's and the girls who changed their last names and put different names on their tombstones. The Kelowna mother and her girls, Karina and Yesenia, were honored by family, friends, and many of Clara's colleagues in a celebration of life ceremony at the local hotel. I mean, like we mentioned, this is so hard to kind of wrap your head around. I'm sure that everyone is kind of wondering what happened. Yeah. Like it didn't seem like there were any obvious signs that, like, again, there was any domestic violence or abuse going on. Not that there always is, right? Like, sometimes mm-hmm. people keep that close to their chest for, for several reasons. But it seems like no one really saw this coming, which I think is in a lot of these types of cases, right? Like, the we mentioned the Chris Watts case, but this is why family annihilators are so scary and terrifying and terrible like it's it's because there's no real motive because Mm -hmm. even if cheating is involved or if they found another woman and want to be with someone else and want to make a new family plenty of people do that and get a divorce or separation yeah so there is basically the reason why i think people like 
cling to these stories and do like a ton of research and really try right the first thing you asked me was why people try and find the why so much but the truth is that there's no answer because it just divorce, happens yeah divorce exists you can just separate there's no good reason to have done this that's the thing like this is this is obviously not the answer to do something like this no. there's something way more simple there's something that you could live the rest of your life not in jail yeah, yeah like there's not even any really any real reasoning and like I mean, I guess, you know, maybe in this case, Jacob thought he'd have more time, but he hadn't really covered up his crime. I would assume that he, if he had been given more time, he would have gotten rid of the bodies. But like, did he really care to? I don't because know. he went to church, he went to work. But he bought cleaning products. So part of me has to think that he was trying to cover it up. Yeah, no, he definitely was because he wrapped them up and, you know, tried yeah, to like clean Yeah, like he was getting up. ready to move on to the next step of his plan, for sure. I just feel but like, why are you waiting so over. long? Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I just think her. he thinks he had the time. Yeah, just, he felt no rush. He was like, eh. It's so ridiculous. Which is messed up. Yeah, like something is not right up there. So that same day when we were talking about so back to the the 19th the rcmp officers take jacob to the detachment and they begin to question him at first he didn't seem to want to talk but eventually he begins to respond to them he tells them everything i just told you he also tells law enforcement that he thought it would be better that they go up to heaven than to grow up in a world where daddy killed mommy which again is just so infuriating because that shouldn't have been his decision to make. Like it just using religion to just justify what you've just done. Yeah, there is no justifying. Like don't even just say, I don't know why I did it. Like this is not a reason why you should have done something like this. Jacob was in custody for two years before his trial. During this time, everyone was left to wonder what happened. So no information really came out. I mean, it was reported that Clara and her two girls had died and that Jacob was taken into custody, but that was it. Like, nothing else, right? Mm. So imagine the neighbors and the speculation, the friends and family just sitting there wondering, like us, why, why, why would someone do something like this? This next part is from that CBC article I mentioned earlier by Brady Strachan. Next-door neighbor Sean Agnew remembers the cheerful young girls his five-year-old son played with in his backyard. Beautiful little girls. It's such a shame, he said, recalling the joy his family shared with the girls who often came over for meals. They would have had such an amazing life, I'm sure. They would have gone far. They were very smart and caring. Colby McKee Lanchik, another neighbor that lives directly across the street. He too developed a bond with the children in the year or so the Foreman family lived on the street. They were always friendly. They always had a smile on their faces, McKee Lanchik said. They always had joy and would always run over and give you a hug. They were the friendliest kids in the world. I thought it was really important to add this. I tried to find like family talking about the girls, but I couldn't find much. And that might have been because a lot of them were back in Mexico, right? She came to Canada to be with Jacob. But I just wanted to give you guys a bit of an idea of how the girls were. And it sounds like they were really wonderful little girls. Yeah, it sounds like they were so sweet. At first, Jacob was facing three counts of second-degree murder, but thankfully it was changed to one count of second-degree murder for Clara and two counts of first-degree for his daughters, because obviously in his daughter's murder, there was very clear planning involved, so like this is what it should have been the whole time. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, you can't argue that that was like a spontaneous act. Oh my god, no. While in custody, Jacob would not stay quiet. He would talk to anyone who would listen about killing his entire family. I think he's talking a lot about this because he's trying to set up his I'm not actually guilty defense. Like clinically insane or whatever, right? Yes. 
we'll get to it, in the fall of 2019 was his trial. At first, he pleased not guilty and believed that his alcoholism was to blame. He told the court, I'm responsible, but I'm not guilty of what the Crown is saying. He was going with a defense of not criminally responsible. So I thought I'd give us a, a definition so we can all learn together. So this is from the Justice Laws website of the Government of Canada. No person is criminally responsible for an act committed or an omission made while suffering from a mental disorder that rendered the person incapable of appreciating the nature and quality of the act or omission or of knowing that it was wrong. So I think this is like Canada's version of like not guilty by reason of insanity although i don't know if in the u.s they still call it that but yeah not criminally responsible because of a mental disorder because there's the person is suffering from a mental disorder is what this definition is telling us so yeah what do we think about that i think that that's bs what do you think about that i don't like that because there are probably cases well there are cases where this I hate when people use this defense to justify their acts they did when they were in the right minds because there are some people that are truly suffering from mental disorder and mm -hmm. do awful things that they really didn't mean. So to me, it just feels like like an easy cop-out that he shouldn't be taking because it does not apply to you. Well, and the fact that he's also blaming his alcoholism on this too, I'm like, would alcohol really make you kill your entire family? No. So, you know. As far as I know, you know, alcoholics usually don't tend to murder their entire families. Exactly. And, you know, like we talked about, like the Kritzwas case, usually there's something and in other family annihilators, there's either cheating involved or like severe money issues. And in those cases, sometimes even, you know, the person committing all the murders ends up completing suicide at the end as well. So to me, this one's extra weird because there hasn't been any of that no. as far as we know. So uh, I wanted to give a bit of a definition of, so I'm mentioning family annihilator a lot, but it's also known as familicide. So this definition is from Wikipedia. Familicide is a type of murder or murder-suicide in which the perpetrator kills multiple close family members in quick succession. Most often children, relatives, spouses, siblings, or parents. In half the cases, the killer lastly kills themselves in murder-suicide. If only the parents are killed, the case may also be referred to as parricide. Where all members of the family are killed, the crime may be referred to as family annihilation. His defense was all about an extreme case of alcohol withdrawal. So basically what he's saying is that it's not like drinking that drove him to this. It's that he cut it all out cold turkey and then just lost it. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting attempt and a defense, but thankfully the defense team hires an expert to back up the alcoholism defense that he's going for. I feel like maybe that could have worked if he didn't murder his children. Yeah, you'd have a shot like it's second degree, right? That one mm -hmm. is what it's been determined to. Yeah. So I feel like you'd still have a shot at like probably not being found not guilty, but obviously serving a lot less time. But no, you just had to go ahead and kill both your daughters. Which, like, I've said this before, but strangling someone, it takes time. Uh, and you it's watch, not just, like, yeah. The movies. You watch someone, like, just. Your kids. Yeah. Your, kids. your little girls. Yeah, I'm going to have to write down all of these people's names and, like, make sure I never <laughs> name my kids. Oh, my Jacob. God. Never thought of that. You know what I mean? We're, like, cutting out names every episode. Ugh. So the expert they hire basically tells Jacob that. This defense is not going to work, dude, because there is no legitimate evidence or anything that's ever happened like this. So you you do this, it's not going to work. You're going to, yeah, mm -hmm. you're wasting your time because no, 
and this expert is not testifying for you. This is when Jacob thankfully decides to plead guilty. He admits to two counts of second degree and one count of first degree murder for Clara and his daughters. It's reported that he cried while pleading guilty and listening to his sentencing, which I'm sure he was crying for himself. Yeah. For, like, for his own consequences and the fact that he mm-hmm. has to live with that is yeah. most likely what he was crying for and not the loss of his family. Because you had many, many a time to decide to go another route with all of this, and it's not what you did, so... No. I doubt that you're crying for anyone else but yourself. This next part from a CBC article mentioned above. The Kelowna area man learned his fate in BC Supreme Court on Monday, just 11 days after he entered surprise guilty pleas to second degree murder of his wife Clara and the first degree murder of his daughters Karina and Yasinia. Jacob Foreman has been sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 35 years after pleading guilty for the murders of his wife and two daughters. Murder comes with a mandatory sentence of life in prison. The judge opted to give Foreman 10 years parole ineligibility for the murder of his wife and 25 years for his daughters to be served consecutively. Earlier in the day, details of how Foreman bludgeoned his wife and choked his two young daughters to death in their home were read out to a packed courtroom. In an agreement statement of fact, Jacob Foreman also admitted that he went to work as usual for two days following the murders after stashing the bodies in the garage. Interviewed last week after the guilty pleas, Clara's sister said she and her parents still cared very deeply about Jacob Foreman. We don't look at Jacob as only a perpetrator. We look at Jacob as a person going through this with us, with an enormous amount of pain that we can't even understand. We trust that justice will prevail. Like, this is, like, incredible. So this is, like, pretty much the only instance where I could find family really being there. So I don't know if her parents were able to come to Canada for the trial or if just the sister did. But the space and in your heart and the, you know, kind of person you have to be to say something like this after something like this has happened to your sister and your nieces. I don't think I would be able to be that good. No, me neither. I am not that big of a person. If whatever you need to do to heal and grieve and, you know, 100%, yeah. At least begin that process, then I'm definitely not judging that. It's just. It's hard. Wow. Yeah. Can, we can't even begin to imagine. No one should go through something like this happening to their loved ones. This week, we will be donating to Crime Victim Assistance Program. This is from their website. There are many ways a crime can affect your life. If you have been physically or emotionally hurt as a result of a violent crime, you may be entitled to financial assistance. The Crime Victim Assistance Program assists victims, immediate family members, and some witnesses in coping with the effects of a violent crime. It provides financial benefits to help offset financial losses and assist in recovery. If you'd like to contribute to Crime Victim Assistance Program, the link to donate will be in our description and Instagram and TikTok bio. Pictures for this case will be posted on our Instagram, so please follow us at Terrible True Crime. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and leave us a review below. If you have any case suggestions, please send us a message on our socials or email us at terribletruecrime at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us. And see you next time, hopefully for a less depressing case. Have a nice (laughs) week, everyone. Thank you.